On this show, we will discuss elements of the story, which may also include some spoilers. So this is your official spoiler alert. It's okay if you haven't read the book, but if you're looking to avoid having it spoiled, go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a podcast about children's books where we believe in never losing the childlike joy of reading. My name is Sam, and I'm a Hufflepuff, and I will proudly shout it today <laughs> because we finally beat Gryffindor in Quidditch. Go Badgers! And I am joined by... <laughs> We're the Badgers. Speaking of Badgers... We're the Badgers. We're joined by Sarah, who just returned from Wisconsin. The Badger State. Is it the Badger State? No, it's not. Anyways, I'm joined by my sister-in-law and my co-host, Sarah, who is a former high school English teacher with two kids reads 85 books a year. Sarah, how's your summer going? It's good. It's good. Honestly, it's made better by Harry Potter. Um, oh, I love that. Our summer of Potter. I've uh, done some traveling and now I'm done traveling. Okay. So no more trips. No more trips. But this weekend I did travel and I read three books while I was gone. Oh so my gosh. it was Wait, awesome. What three books did you read? You read Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. One Italian summer and oh wow, they they just run together. You read them so fast. And Rock Paper Scissors by mm. Alice Feeney. Okay, what makes you pick a book? Like, do you see it recommended by somebody? Do you just usually grab and go? it starts with one recommendation, um, either a friend on the internet, social media. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I kind of explore the author, see what's okay. recommended because of the author, stuff like that. So, okay. And sometimes it's just, I judge a book by its cover. Where the Crawdads Sing is a book that I always, whenever I see it, I'm like, that looks like Marsha's and Carolina, which is like my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I saw they're making a movie, and That's I was like, right. I'm going to read that book. Have you read that book? I have. Is I have. it great? It is great. I really enjoyed it. Okay. But it's been a while since I read it, so I can't actually remember how it ended. Okay. Which is good, so because I'll go, it, the movie, I'll go see the movie, and it'll be exciting. Produced by Reese Witherspoon. That's right. Shout out, Reese. I know she's a I know huge she's listener. Huge listener. She just constantly is tweeting me, and I'm like, <laughs> Reese, <laughs> chill. Yeah. Reese, tell us your Harry Potter house. What's your summer been like? It has been so hot outside. And the thing about when it gets hot outside is I don't want to go out. So I almost feel trapped inside. I feel like I'm in prison, like I'm a prisoner. <gasps> Speaking of prisoners, this week we read Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Huh? How was that? That was so good. Oh, so good. Like you're lying to me. No, I love it. Keep no, it. No, I know it's great. I know it, it was. Fantastic. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit it out. Don't later. edit it out. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, published in 1999. And this was the first one where it was published in the U.S. the same year it was published in the U.K. Interesting. It was published in July of 99 and in September in the U.S. So, hmm. interesting fun that fact. That is interesting. Also, did you know that J.K. Rowling, when she finished writing The Chamber of Secrets, the next day she started writing this one. And she called it the best writing experience she ever had. Well, I find that very interesting because I finished this book and the same day started number four. Okay. Because this book is so good. It is so I good. I just couldn't wait to see what happens. It, it might be the best one. 
Well, last episode, I said that number four was my favorite. Maybe for yes. actually, maybe it was oh. two episodes ago. Said fourth was my favorite. I'm changing it. Oh, this is my, my new favorite. Right here, right now. Right that here, just right now. Happened. Now, next episode after we read the fourth one, I might switch right. back. But I don't remember enjoying this book quite as much as in my previous readings. But this time, I mean, I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Oh, it's so enjoyable. delightful. I mean, golly, that's been. And we talked about it in the last episode about how much fun the series is. And it takes me back to when I first got back into reading there in college. This was the perfect series to pick up. For sure. Because it just reminds you that reading is fun. And I think in like a broader sense, that's honestly might be the reason these books were so successful. Yeah. Because before Harry Potter, name like a book series that's kind of like in the fantasy, good versus evil world that just reminds you that reading is fun. I don't have one. Because I feel like it, maybe Narnia kind yeah. of filled that, but that was, those were published in the 50s. Right, that wasn't so there's a like modern. a 40-year like, gap, and I'm not trying to throw shade yeah, at books yeah. published in there because it's a lot of really good books. Right. But as far as sitting down to a good old-fashioned fantasy, good versus evil story, I don't know if there well, really is one. Well, and these were more accessible fantasy because I am not a big, like, sci-fi You don't play Dungeons and Dragons or... No, no. And... Harry Potter, they were still existing in the modern world, but they mm-hmm. were in a, a fantasy world too. Right. And I think that's why it made it accessible is that Harry was raised a muggle. Right. And so... Like the rest of us. Like the rest of us. Oh, it's so sad. And so for me as a kid, I wasn't really big into the fantasy worlds, but Harry Potter was like one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. Or at least one and a half feet in the fantasy world, but you still had some sense of like it fits in my own yeah. world too. Do you think that makes it more impactful? Yeah, the Dementors are dark, mm-hmm. insanely dark. Yeah, I forgot how dark they are because I always tell people like, "Hey, at book four is when it really gets insane." Mm-hmm. Honestly, those Dementors book are scary. Two got dark, and book three, yeah, got really dark. Yeah. So, do you think those moments? Is is it more resonant because it's written as if happening in the real world? Probably. I would think so. And honestly, I was thinking, I said the same thing. Like, after four, it gets really dark. But I think four, after four, it becomes more dangerous for Harry. Mm-hmm. And that might make the darkness seem more upfront. In the first two, we talked about it a little bit. Those dark scenes at the end don't take very long. And so that's why they don't seem quite as dark because right. the scenes are only like 20 pages. Right. But in four, it's dark. Three, I do have to say, and thinking about um, how fun these are to read, my dad is about to start reading them. First time? He, Yeah. He's seen all the movies because my dad loves to be interested in what his kids are interested in. But he told me the other day he's never actually read them. Wow. How was it reading it? I mean, you said it was your favorite. Mm-hmm. What was different this time? Well, that's a great question. Kind of like broadly speaking, right. obviously we'll get into the nitty gritty. I kind but. of, I've been thinking on that. And I think I said this in our first episode, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've read the Harry Potter books since having kids. Yeah. And 
that changes my perspective on things. It's mm. changed the things I'm paying attention to. So I think that might have something to do with it. But wow. it was just like, honestly, it was so fun to read. And I don't know exactly what made it so fun. Maybe. Was there a part in the book where it felt like. The time turner. So okay. yeah. when Dumbledore locks Harry and Hermione in so that they can go back in time. And Harry is like trying to figure out what in the world is going on. That is just, it's such a fun scene. Mm -hmm. And it's so creative too that, and I also really like that the time Turner exists throughout the whole book. Although nobody except Hermione and McGonagall know that Mm -hmm. it, it exists, but like Harry and Ron are paying attention to the fact that Hermione is doing weird things. Like she keeps disappearing or she misses (laughs) uh, a class or her books. She has too many, uh, but nobody knows what it is. And so when Harry's finally figuring it out, we're all figuring it out too. And it's just, it's smart and it's creative and it's those details. I think for me, I'm with you. Like this book might be the most fun one. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. It's the best Quidditch Yes. We get. Yes. I for love sure. that the entire book, Oliver Wood. Yes. It's my last go around. Oh I've got to get one guy. He's <laughs> killing me. He's so funny. It's just those little details about yeah. him. The sports fan in me just loved how good this works as a sports story, especially given that they lose their first match to Hufflepuff, baby. Mm-hmm. Cedric Diggory wins one for the home team. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but the final match, the final Quidditch match when they're playing Slytherin is just wonderful. Yes. <laughs> it's because it has all the classic sports story elements. I mean, actually my mind goes to like the Mighty Ducks where there's like the jerk guy and the other team is Malfoy. I mean, it just it feels like you're watching the Mighty Ducks. It's so 13-year-old fun sports story. Malfoy grabs Harry's broom to stop him from getting the snitch and then Lee Jordan you cheating scum. Lee Jordan was howling into the megaphone, dancing out of Professor McGonagall's reach. You filthy cheating. Professor McGonagall didn't even bother to tell him off. She was actually shaking her finger in Malfoy's direction. Her hat had fallen off and she too was shouting furiously. Like, I think I enjoy Quidditch so much because of Lee Jordan and just the commentary. He's so biased because he's a Gryffindor and he doesn't even try and hide it. And, That is just, it's another fun detail. Quidditch is also the reason we love McGonagall. Right, Because in the first book, it was the moment where we think Harry's about to get told off, and she's like, I think we found a new secret. Right, yeah. (laughs) Which is when we meet Oliver Wood. Yes. Oliver Wood's one of my favorite characters. He's so good. He's just so funny. (laughs) Well, And then when Oliver finds out that McGonagall has taken Harry's firebolt, he's like, so mad about it. And he's like, I'll talk some reason into her, Mm -hmm. because she wants to win just as bad. (laughs) This book gave me my favorite Professor McGonagall moment, maybe of the entire series. Uh, After Harry goes to his new class, Divination. Mm -hmm. uh, Did I say that right? Divination. Divination. We meet Professor Trelawney, which apparently is one of the Enneagram 4s in the series, which just makes me sad. Oh. Yeah. People are like, oh, who are the Enneagram 4s in Harry Potter? It's Professor Trelawney. Is she a 4? I feel like she's... He's just coming from Professor Trelawney's class where Professor Trelawney has basically told him... (laughs) Predicted that he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> McGonagall says, really, what has gotten into you all today? Turning back into reality with a faint pop and staring around at them all. She said, not that it matters, but that's the first time my transformation has not gotten applause from a class. Everybody's heads turned towards Harry again, but nobody spoke. 
Then Hermione raised her hand. Please, Professor, we've just had our first divination class and we're reading the tea leaves and... Ah, of course, said Professor McGonagall, suddenly frowning. There is no need to say any more, Miss Granger. Tell me which of you will be dying this year. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the fact that... McGonagall has no patience for Trelawney oh, and just so makes shade. it so clear. It's just, I, I feel seen in McGonagall in this. because That's why she's great, because she's this typical stern character you expect to see at like a boarding school, Catholic right, school right. type figure. But she has all these little human traits. Yes. Like she's super into Quidditch. She has no patience for Professor Right. <laughs> and is not afraid Gosh, to throw shade at her not having it. Not having it. Hey everybody, Sarah here. Just want to give a couple of shout outs today. First to our listeners in Cookville, Tennessee, Papa and Bibby. We appreciate the listens. And to our commenter, Nurse Hannah. Couldn't do this without you. And so that I'm not unfair to our listener or listeners in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. I found out that we're the only podcast that one of those people listened to. So you know who you are. Shout out Jackson, Mississippi. Shout out Jackson, Mississippi. That warms the heart. Right? What really spoke to you this time around? What was resonating? We see Harry's orphan status in the wizard world. Mm. Like he doesn't have parents who are wizards. He doesn't have caretakers who care. And they get that um, permission slip for Hogsmeade. Now as a parent, I read it and I'm like, Mm. Harry, that's so sad. Yeah. I don't know. I think I could relate because I remember having to take permission slips home to get signed, but mine always got signed. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't feel that as much. Maybe that's the the parent in you. Yeah. Is just screaming inside. Right, right. Uh, As I have thought about it more, I feel like this book, we're starting to see kind of the places where Harry has loss that may not have shown up in the first and second books. Um, But I also think it's interesting, just as someone who's read these books, like this is a place where Ron has something that Harry doesn't. Yeah. In a way, they're envious of each other. Right. Because Harry longs for the family and the wizarding normal life that Ron has, like loves going to the borough. Whereas Ron wants Harry's Quidditch skills. Right. I don't know if he's envious of his money, but it's one of those things where Harry has a lot and Ron doesn't. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I've never thought about that. But in this third one at the end, he has Sirius Black. Like Sirius (laughs) asks him, hey, when this is all over, I want you to come live with me. Yeah. And Harry has this hope of, oh, I have someone else in the world who cares about me, right. who's my family, but then also... And Sirius signs his permission slip. Sirius signs his permission <laughs> slip. And also Harry has the knowledge that his aunt and uncle would be afraid of Sirius Black. <laughs> it ends so hopeful, and mm. there's some like normalcy, hopefully, for Harry that yeah. the first two just didn't give us quite as much. And yeah. I think I that's why I might have liked it. There were scary moments, Honestly, a lot of the scary moments were really driven by the Dementors. Though. They were. We don't get Voldemort we in this get, one. We have Voldemort adjacent with Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew and what but you think is Sirius Black. But we don't see him. He's not active here, but most of the darkest moments come from the Dementors. Right. Which, for me, my favorite moment comes because of the Dementors. Okay. 
which one I had heard that the mentors were based on grief okay. for her, that she wrote them based upon the feelings she felt. Uh, I think it was grieving her mother. I can't remember okay. exactly what she said. I think it's amazing storytelling mm-hmm. that she is allowing grief and pain to be personified yeah. in this horrible, horrible creature. Golly, they just tend to chill up my spine. Mm. There's a scene where Harry, he's felt a lot of shame, honestly, mm. for the fact that anytime a Dementor is around, he passes out. He's talking to Lupin about it, and this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. Okay. Why do they affect me like that? Am I just... It has nothing to do with weakness, said Professor Lupin sharply, as though he had read Harry's mind. The Dementors affect you worse than others because there are horrors in your past that the others don't have. A ray of wintry sunlight fell across the classroom, illuminating Lupin's gray hairs and the lines on his young face. Dementors are among the foulest creatures that walk this earth. They infest the darkest, filthiest places. They glory in decay and despair. They drain peace, hope, and happiness out of the air around them. Even muggles feel their presence, though they can't see them. Get too near a Dementor, and every good feeling, every happy memory will be sucked out of you. If it can, the Dementor will feed on you long enough to reduce you to something like itself, soulless and evil, left with nothing but the worst experiences of your life, and the worst that happened to you, Harry, is enough to make anyone fall off their broom. You have nothing to feel Mm. ashamed of. There is so much in that right there. Yeah. That, I mean, one, I love the writing of a ray of wintry sunlight fell across the classroom. (laughs) No, that's just brilliant. That is brilliant (laughs) writing. Because what it does is, without her saying, and Harry's heart warmed a little bit, Mm -hmm. all of us have had a moment where somebody takes the burden off of us. Yeah. Of, it is okay. Yeah. They don't fix the problem. But they tell us it is okay to struggle right. with that and there is nothing wrong with it. Right. And I love how she does it in a way by just describing sunlight mm-hmm. coming in because that is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It gives us a new view of Lupin. One, it shows that he is a safe person yeah. for Harry. But two, illuminating gray hairs and the lines on his young face. It's showing he's been through some stuff. Right, right. Like he has suffered. Yeah. And he is speaking from wisdom. Right. And what that does for Harry takes the weight off of it. Yeah. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful mm. scene. I loved Lupin, probably for yeah. that scene, but also just because he's compared to Gilderoy Lockhart. Right. I love you, Gilderoy. Ugh. He's actually a good teacher. He's a good teacher. He's, he's an amazing a good teacher. teacher. Yeah. And also, he's a connection to Harry's dad that Harry's yeah. never had before, which there's sadness in it because Harry didn't know for so long that Lupin was friends with his dad because Harry didn't know everything about Sirius. Mm -hmm. He wasn't able to connect with Lupin as much as he probably would have wanted to had he known that Lupin and his dad were such close friends. But then I also love at the end of the book when Lupin is leaving he gives Harry the map back <laughs> Marauders and he's just like, I'm not your teacher anymore. Have it back. And that yeah. to me was like, just, it was a gift from Harry's dad too. Like, yeah. because they wrote it together and they did it together that it, Lupin knew like it belongs to him. So much of this book is haunted by Harry's dad. Mm-hmm. His mother's there because he hears her screams, yeah. but really there is so much about his dad, and especially right. at the ending. Right. What was your feeling during the that? The ending of this book, especially when Harry realizes that he's the one who has to do the Patronus, oh, like, so it's so good. It's so powerful. And again, it's one of those where I maybe that's why the ending with Sirius signing the permission slip and giving Harry hope 
is so powerful is Mm -hmm. because throughout we just see the absence of a parent and a father and we see like what could have been. Yeah. And that's just, it's sad, but then it's hopeful because yeah, what could have been can happen. He can at least have some connection to his family. Well, it's two things. One, I think with Lupin, that moment Lupin is being a father to Harry. Yes. Of teaching him about the world and taking a burden off of his back. Yeah. That is a father moment. Totally. But he also has a father in Sirius Mm -hmm. who's saying like, you want to come live with me? I can get you out of that. I've got a place for you. There is something amazing in that James's dearest friends step in to the gap that James left. That's incredible. So good. And that's real. Yeah. That's something that happens in our real world. I mean, yes, our parents are the primary influence on us, but it is also more than that. Right. But also, like you were talking about, when Harry realizes that it was him, mm-hmm. there is something so powerful there. Oh, so powerful. Because he he goes on this journey from not being able to stand in the mentor's presence, can't conjure a Patronus at all, mm-hmm. and then in that moment, he just knows it was me. It was me. I can do it. It's so powerful. It is. And... Y'all read this book. Read I'm the book. So, read, read this the book. one. But <laughs> what if I you love, don't read the other ones, read right? this one. But what I love too, and not the, read the book, read the book, people. But I think too, the thing that is delightful about this book is that the movie was a good representation of the book oh, yeah. because that moment where Harry saves himself is so powerful. And I feel like in the movie, it yeah. visualized what was in my head too. Yeah. It's just. Harry is saving himself, but it's in this strange way. It's his father coming to yeah. save him. I don't. I would have to really think about this. I was like, is there a time in your like thirteen to fifteen when you start to see? I don't know if you spend all your childhood like dad's always coming to save the yeah, day, and maybe. in this moment, Harry sees like my father is in me. Right, right. Well, Harry's connected to his dad, even though he's never thought it before. Right, and we see that in his Patronus because it's a stag, and Harry didn't know his dad was a stag. Right. And that is what is most amazing. Right. In our Dumbledore debrief Mm -hmm. here at the end, I'm just going to read it. Harry looked up at Dumbledore. He wouldn't laugh. He could tell Dumbledore, which once again, safe adults, Mm -hmm. you feel like you can share your heart with. Oh, my. I thought it was my dad who'd conjured my Patronus. I mean, when I saw myself across the lake, I thought it was seeing him. An easy mistake to make, said Dumbledore softly. I expect you'll tire of hearing it but you do look extraordinarily like James. Except for the eyes. You have your mother's eyes. Harry shook his head. It was stupid thinking it was him, he muttered. I mean, I knew he was dead. You think the dead we loved ever truly leave us? You think that we don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble? Your father is alive in you, Harry, and shows himself most plainly when you have need of him. How else could you produce that particular Patronus? Prongs wrote again last night. It took a moment for Harry to realize what Dumbledore had said. Ah. It's so good. It's so good. I think with that, we can say, read the book, people. Read it. You, I mean, will, not, you will not regret it. And that's, that's where I keep running into this with this podcast. And I love that we're here to walk through these books with you and journey with you. And the sense of community in that is so wonderful. The reality is we're trying to describe things that are meant to be experienced mm-hmm. through the book. That's, and it's kind of a fool's errand for us. Yeah, One we will keep gladly trying to do and love to bring you with us, but this one is absolutely worth reading. That's so right. I want to give a shout out to 
Tim Wary, as he's getting ready to embark on That's reading these right. for the first time. That's right. So That's exciting. He's taking our words seriously. <laughs> um, and we're going to continue on with our next book in the series, which is going to be Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I'm not sure how I did it. I don't know. I was like, are you trying there. to get me to say? <laughs> I was like, do I make a joke? No one's going to get that. That won't be funny. <laughs> so we'll be back next time. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's right. We're going to get much more Cho Chang. We're going to meet Victor Crumb. We're going to go to the Quidditch World Cup. That's right. Cedric Diggory is going to keep... Oh, Cedric Diggory. ...making Hufflepuff proud. (sighs) We love you, Cedric. We love you, Robert Pattinson, Cedric Diggory. That's right. Anyways, that's all for us. Sarah? See ya. Thanks. Thanks.